the duke and duchess podcast i'm chad and i'm liz yes you are all day all right so we are talking about game of thrones season seven episode two yes stormborn stormborn you love the titles i do i love a good title you're into naming things i am isn't that odd strange how that strange how that happens i mean i'm not gonna lie that was 60% of the reason I agreed to do this podcast. <laughs> so I could get a good title out of it. And and you did. I, and I managed to do that. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> it worked out well. All right, so Season 7, Episode 2, Game of Thrones. But first, we're going to start with our spoiler policy because we don't want anyone to be surprised. And the spoiler policy, as far as it relates to Game of Thrones, is we will spoil everything. Everything is on the table. As stated in the last episode... The show is past the books now, which really limits the amount of damage we can do, but we will talk about what happens in the books. We will talk about other materials. We'll talk about the novellas. We can talk about uh, World of Ice and Fire, any of those sort of things that we feel are relevant. So that is the spoiler policy. Yep, that's it. You've been warned. All right. So this is a bonus episode, and we try to make these fairly brief. You know, this isn't our mainstay, so we're going to jump right into it. So what did you think of the episode? I thought it was a good episode overall. I enjoyed it. I tend to go into this show ready to enjoy it. It's kind of like Doctor Who with me. There aren't many episodes I don't enjoy. So I'm ready to just get in there. And then unfortunately, sometimes I later go back and hear criticism. And then I'm like, oh, I don't like it as much now. But I hope that doesn't happen with this one. I'm still, and I've said it before, I, you know, that I, I, I don't look at this as being the same as the books. I expect the books to tell the story differently. This is like, for me, like reading fan fiction. It bothers me less when they go off of the books. I mean, some things I thought were kind of dumb, but, um, you know, or, or I wish they had happened in the book, like they happened in the books, but... I enjoyed it. I mean, it was it was a good time for me. Yeah, I thought it was a good episode overall. There, were, I mean, there are definitely things that I didn't get or didn't quite like, but 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 those I think were for the most part, with one or two exceptions, kind of nitpicky things. So all in all, I would say it was a pretty good episode. I think we're moving forward and we're moving forward quickly, which is both exciting but also kind of a problem for the show. And what I tried to express in the last episode and was actually expressed by somebody on Twitter much better than me, uh, the Queen of Love and, and Booty at Lies and Arbor, who uh, needs no introduction on Twitter. She had uh, said that really what, what we've got going on right now is that we've got 13 episodes left in these last two seasons, 
and we've got two giant ass books that probably let's face it will probably get turned into three books which no, no. Yeah, I, <sighs> and Brandis Sanderson will be fi- finishing it eventually <sighs> in 2027. I, I mean, we know we. I, I'd be okay with that. I'm sorry, we're we're digressing, but go ahead. But anyway, she she said, you know, she kind of put that out there, and what you're getting is you're getting this speeding up of the plot of all these things that have to happen, and something's got to be sacrificed, and sometimes there are character beats or logical or logistical things that just kind of have to go by the wayside because you got to get a character somewhere. You got to get them in, in a certain place, and sometimes they're going to make you know they're going to make certain decisions that they wouldn't otherwise make because it's you know what needs to happen for the plot, and that's generally something that we don't like. But you know, it, it, I just see it as being kind of an un, unnecessary or an unfortunate byproduct of what we've got here. And I wonder if, for me personally whether I would have as much grace for the show and and be going into it with the attitude that I am, that I'm going into it to enjoy it. I'm not going into it to nitpick or or tear it down. And I wonder if I would have that attitude if the first couple of seasons hadn't, in my opinion, done such a good job sticking to the books and been so faithful to the source material. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. I also think, and we, you and I have discussed this, that it's been a long time since you've reread the novels. It has. And for me, it's been over a year, maybe even close to two years. And really? Yeah, and not surprisingly, you know, I'm enjoying this season better, and I enjoyed last season better. I think the farther away you get from having read the books, the more you can kind of separate the two out, and the more you can just kind of enjoy the show for what it is. Yeah, I think you have to be able to separate the two. At the same time, I think my love and enjoyment of the books, um, con- you know, contributes to my enjoyment of the show. You know, I think you see certain characters as being deeper, more rich um, because of the background that you know about them from the books. Yeah, you can kind of color in some of the missing material. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so, let, so let's move forward. I kind of put this together by, you know, characters and locations and I went from sort of the the least exciting to the most exciting. Kind of is the is the way I put it together. So uh, for me, that meant we started off with an old town with Sam and Jora. Oh, that's the part I couldn't watch. You did. The have Duke to, had to tell me when when to lend a look. <laughs> you did have to close your eyes. <laughs> okay. Can I open them now? No. Can I open them now? No. <laughs> like. Yeah, I can't watch that. No, you can't. So what do you think about Sam healing Jorah in the way that he did? Because it's not what we had expected. No. So last episode, you know, he's got the book out where he finds the the dragon glass in Dragonstone, which I still felt like we we knew was there. But anyway, he pulls the book out, he finds it, and some clever show watchers had paused it and been able to read the other page and apparently referenced in there as as you had had told me, I didn't pick up on this, was the idea that there was a note in there that said dragon glass can basically cure everything if ingested. That is something someone told me. So I did not fact check that. But Well, I saw some articles out there to that effect. I, I didn't read them. Oh, okay. All so, right. so I'm pretty confident that what you're saying is correct. And so I think that kind of led a lot of people to think, oh, it's going to somehow be tied into dragon glass. And so not surprisingly, when that 
didn't happen and it turned instead to like a hacksaw and a poultice, you know, and what looked like relatively ordinary medicine. Like, has no one really tried this before? Like, just remove the strange. infected tissue and slap. Maybe there's dragon glass in the poultice. I mean, Ma- right. Maybe there Neosporin. is. <laughs> no one's tried Neosporin. Well, I think it was Windex. <laughs> Come on. You had to spray it with Windex. So, that was a little strange. I mean, the thing about it is, once again, I think the, the people who are upset about it, to me, it's much ado about nothing because there's nothing in the books that says anywhere that Dragonglass is some sort of magical cure. I haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe that in the slightest. So it was really kind of a show invention from last week that they ultimately didn't fulfill. It makes you wonder why they took the time to write that but ultimately, it's I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over that. <laughs> like, they found a way to cure. You know, they found the MacGuffin. They cured the dragon scale or whatever the grayscale. So, do you think he's on. cured? I don't. You know, it's funny. I don't. I'm going to say yes because I just think that's the most obvious and logical conclusion that they're going down this road. I'm not quite sure what it does for the overall plot, though. Like, what it, that helps Jorah. But how does it help anybody else? I mean, are they okay. going to go to the Stonemen in Valeria and try and fix them all? Their minds are all gone. No, but you've now got Jorah owing a big favor to Sam. Mm-hmm. Jorah, who is trusted by Danny. Yeah. Okay. Owing a favor and owing his life to Sam, who is, you know, besties with John. So you've got another tie between the two. So kind of mm-hmm. the what I see is one of the main conflicts or questions of this season is are John and Danny going to team up or are they going to become adversaries mm-hmm. if they become adversaries I'm not going to lie I, I'm not I don't know how I'm, I'm not going to be patient with that yeah, I'm getting tired be, of people being adversaries just because just to you add know. a little more drama exactly so well, this show is notorious unfortunately for <sighs> making drama just for the sake of it I mean but they don't have many episodes left so I'm True. hoping they'll skip that anyway that's just another person on each side that can say hey like let's work together this person's a-okay you yeah. know yeah maybe I mean that's that's a that's a lot of screen time for a pretty tangential argument but I'll go with it because that's the only thing I can think yeah absolutely Anything else about Old Town? Nope. All right, let's scoot our butts. Can I just say, though, I'm loving the Archmaester. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't remember what the actor's name is. I think it's Jim Broadbent? Yes, yes. And he did some work in the Harry Potter movies yep. as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, I think he's killing it. Yeah, he's doing a good job. He's doing a good job. All right, so we go from from Old Town to Arya. And hot pie. Aria was second to last on your list. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No, it was exciting, but well, just in terms of how much there really was to to go on. I mean, you you start ranking scenes, and I'm gonna give you a hard time about something. All right. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> did I say rank? I didn't mean rank. <laughs> I meant really more about the amount of plot that was tied up in the storyline. Okay. That's that's my that's what I'm that's my excuse, woman. Just I, give I, some room. <laughs> I revoke my my questions about your ranking. No, it's okay. It's all right. All right. So 
All right, so Ari and Hot Pie at the Inn at the Crossroads. Um, Hot Pie, once again, is the best baker in all of Westeros. Should be king. Should be king. Oh, I love Hot Pie. Hot Pie's the best. We had a lot of questions last week about, was Arya just bent on revenge? And was she just, was she going to go down this very dark road and was she going straight to King's Landing because she was choosing revenge over family, you know, as opposed to going to, to Westeros? So we find out this episode that that's not it at all. She, last she had heard, the Boltons were in charge of Winterfell, and there was no reason to go to Winterfell. Now she finds out that Jon Snow is king in the north and is in Winterfell, and she changes her mind and she decides to go north. I was so happy at this point in the show. Me too. I was going to go with, okay, maybe Arya's just turning into, she's going on this dark, vengeful path, and she doesn't even care about her family anymore, and something will happen to Bran. But I am so glad that it was that simple. Like, oh, no, she just didn't know that her family was back in Winterfell. And it was just such a lovely moment when she saw Nymeria, and you saw, like, I don't know. I, I thought it was so well acted, but you saw like the old Arya come back mm-hmm. into her face. You saw like the walls in her face like break down, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it was so lovely. It just it gave me so many feels. It was great. I, I That was one of the most touching scenes, her and Nymeria. Uh, that was definitely one of the most touching scenes to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I saw Nymeria, you know, I cried out loud. I was like, good Lord. That right. thing is huge. Right. Like, yeah, the, that the effects there did not disappoint. I didn't think they did. I, I Somebody was critical on Twitter and said they felt like Nymeria was small, you know, and then they were like, it's not even Nymeria. That's one of Nymeria's children, you know, and I was like, no, that well, thing was Well, some people enormous. were confused by Arya looking Agreed. at Nymeria and saying, that's not you. Yeah, there was a lot of confusion about that. But someone, um, I was somewhere, it was pointed out, and and you and I were talking last night about how, you know, we thought what she meant was, that's not who you are. You know, living in a castle, following orders, that's not who you are anymore. Yeah. Now, Miria found her own pack. Right. And unlike Arya, she stayed with her own pack, and that's what she's going to do. Winter's coming, the pack that stays together survives, that's what Nymeria is going to do. And it was also pointed out that um, in an interview, an article with an interview that I read, I should cite things, I'm sorry, I don't remember where it was, uh, with the show creators, where it was pointed out that there's a scene early on where Arya is, when she's taking sword lessons from Cyrio Farrell, and her father says to her, starts talking to her about being a lady and getting married and having children, and she says, that's not me. Ah. So kind of like echoing back there. Yeah, there you Which go. Which I good. think is neat. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a great scene. Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a very good scene. Yep. So, not a huge And Im- you know, so on the list of things that I if it happens I will burn something down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there's so many things you want to burn down. I'm really beginning not to question that many. <laughs> what I was thinking. If something happens to hot pie, oh. I'm burning it down. Burning something down. We'll go down go burn down the end of the crossroads. <laughs> Stop torching our shit. <laughs> All right. So next we have King's Landing. Cersei and Jamie, Kyburn, Randall Tarley and all the uh, Southern Lords that Cersei draws together. All the people who are bannermen of the Tyrell, she brings them into court. 
and starts trying to divide them off from the Tyrells, saying, uh, Daenerys Targaryen is going to bring foreign invaders in here and eunuchs and mongrels and they're going to rape your daughters. They're going to rape your cattle. They're going to rape your 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 uh, your crops. They're going to rape everything, you know, and trying to, you know, sow some, uh, you know, xenophobic hatred for Daenerys so that she can kind of carve those lords off. To be fair, is she wrong? No, they're going to rape everything. I mean, that's kind of what. It's kind of what they do. That's what they did, at least in Essos, yeah. you know. No, I'm sure. Didn't I'm sure Danny's gonna get a hold of uh, that. Absolutely, and, and, you right? Know, we're we're kidding when we say that, but no. And she's doing exactly what she should do. I mean, that's you know that's her her job is to try to you know steal those bannermen and do everything she can do. And then Jamie goes and talks to Randall Tarley. So we have a Randall Tarley sighting and tries to kind of get him to to uh, go away from the Terrells. And I don't think we ever got a clear answer from from Randall as to what he was gonna do. I think it was just sort of implied. I think we did get confirmation that Randall Tarley is a total dick. Oh, well, we knew that. Absolute yeah. ponce. He's one of the, he's one of those characters who doesn't have a lot of screen time, but angers the fuck out of me in the books. Like, he is such a prick. He's such a prick. Man. And we met his, his, uh, Sam's older brother. Dickon. Dickon. That's right. Yeah. I wanted to call him dickhead. <laughs> Dickon, by yeah. the way. Mm-hmm. Is a mook. He's a palooka. <laughs> a bunch of palookas around here. So, so he's sitting there in his pop collar, his Eddie Bauer polo shirt. Exactly. Gotcha. He's like, but Dad said I could take the BMW out this weekend. <laughs> Gotta go fight the Dothraki. You're not gonna make me fight the Dothraki looking like this, are you? You're not gonna make me take the Audi. <laughs> Oh, so, so anyway, so I mean, do you, is Randall Tarley going to come over and join the, uh, and join the Lannisters? I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of want him to, cause I kind of want him to get eaten by a dragon. That would really be nice. But we'll have to see. That would really be nice. It seemed, uh, again, I, I don't recall, but I'm pretty sure we did not get an answer, but I got the impression that he's going to come over. Yeah, I feel like he was kind of like, new phone, who dis? Yeah. Bye. <laughs> uh, Terrell, never heard of him. <laughs> ne- never heard of it. What? You're breaking up. <laughs> How did I even get this cell phone? What is this magical box that speaks? Sorry. Anyway, so we go from there. The next scene we have in King's Landing. <laughs> oh, I just need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you You need a minute? After that, I'm fine. Keep talking. That's fair. All right. So after that, we go to Cersei and Kyburn, and they have a they have a moment with the uh, skull of Balerion, the back Black Dread, down there in the uh, in the crypts underneath the King's Landing. A big ass crossbow. Yeah. So their whole plan for how to defeat the dragons it's not a dragon binding horn like we suspected, like it is in the books. No. It's a scorpion. It's just a giant siege engine, which they already had. <laughs> like they did they? Yeah, it's it, the scorpions get used in in at the end of Clash of Kings in the battle Battle of Blackwater. 
scorpions are a, they're just these giant in the cro- show yeah uh i don't remember if they were in the show or in the books i feel like they were in the show though too i could be wrong about that but they're i mean they're just a very common siege weapon for the time you know and it's like look at the, we've unveiled it the smiths we've got this secret plan this grand plan is a catapult we're going to throw swords at it, you know, like it's just so kind of generic. I I don't I don't know. I don't remember if I saw giant crossbows in the in the show, so maybe that could be like revolutionary for them or I I don't know. And I don't remember exactly Ky- what Kyburn said about it, what what made it special or who knows. Yeah, I, I mean, if it's I don't know. By the way, not that I think a giant scorpion wouldn't bring down one of those dragons. Would absolutely, and I think probably is going to. I, I agree with you. I think one we, of the dragons is going to bite it uh, yep. at King's Landing. I agree. I absolutely agree. I think that one of them is definitely going to bite it in King's Landing, and the other two are going to get ridden by Daenerys and John. You think so? Against the Night King? Yes. Oh, okay. I do. You're, you're going further down the line. Further okay. down. Yeah. Okay. Is it going to be, yeah, I guess that would make more sense than Daenerys and Tyrion. It does. But you know, Tyrion is a Targaryen. I mean, I'd love to see Tyrion on a dragon, but I think, I don't know. He's got that dragon blood, yo. I don't know. So, it's true. Well, my prediction still stands. If there are three dragons, then obviously... <laughs> no, I'm just trying to get you to... I'm just trying to bait you into the Tyrion as a Targaryen. Argument. Oh, I'm sorry. Because it's, my, because <clears throat> it's Wait, one rewind. of my favorites. Okay. That He's was my a Targaryen, yo. Chad, tell me more about this Tyrion as a Targaryen theory. <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought we already talked about it. All right. So listen, Joanna <laughs> Lannister was raped by Mad Ares, okay? And right. that's where Tyrion came from. I'm, I completely ruined that. I'm sorry. <sighs> it's okay. I just, I took your awesome. No, that's fine. Tip. <laughs> fact. I just stomped on it. I, I wouldn't go that far as to call it awesome. Let's just move on. <laughs> No, I'm just disappointed in the score. Like, I'm just disappointed that the grand plan is something so basic, you know? Well, and the fact that in the books, there's this awesome thing, this idea of the Valerian dragon binding horn. Yeah. Which in the books, for me, that was really cool because um, that was apparently how the Targaryens of old controlled their dragons. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Danny can ride a dragon without one of them just shows that she's different from the other Targaryens. Yeah. Kind of shows her as being something special. So yeah, I really loved that about the existence of the dragon horn in the books. Well, and you it know? makes Euron so much more formidable. Absolutely. You know, it really makes him a big bad. And without it, he's just, you know, he's just guyliner pirate. Guyliner pirate. That's, that's all he is. You know, it's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Uh, yeah. In the books, I can't wait to see what he does with that horn. And it's just, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's also some thoughts out there that Bran might be able to actually warg into a dragon. Really? Yeah. There's So there's some thoughts that, you know, a, a very, very powerful warg might be able to wrest control away of the dragons and be able to warg into them. I don't, 
I, I don't remember all the evidence supporting that, um, but that is a pretty popular theory as well. So that's kind of like how, you know, you, we that's sort of the uh, the trump cards against the dragons there. Hmm. You know, and there, and there is some thought in the books that, that Bran is not going to be on Daenerys' side necessarily. So Interesting. We'll see how that all plays out. It's it's obviously going to be very different in the books and the shows, so not going to worry too much about that. But it just it's just that you know, without that horn, you're replacing this awesome item with this very banal item that they've had. They've got dozens and dozens of those things, and they've had them for years. And by the way. Not that I think one of them won't be able to take a dragon down, because I think it could, particularly if it was if it was attached to a chain of some kind. But it's going to be hard as fuck to hit one. Yep. Like hit you know hitting one of those dragons with a scorpion is going to be really you're going to have to roll a natural twenty. There's no way around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nah, you know, but I have a feeling a natural twenty will be rolled. I just, I do have a feeling. I have a feeling I am as well disappointed about the horn not looking like it's going to make an appearance on the show. But yeah. That's why I thought they might go and attack Old Town. Because mm-hmm. I thought, okay, he didn't come over with a horn that he's, you know, he got from the Valerian smoking sea. Okay. They'll go to Old Town. They'll attack Old Town and they'll find it there. You think? Well, no, I don't think so at this point. But yeah. I said last episode that I had this suspicion that they were going to attack Old Town. And right up until they actually attacked, until Iron Fleet B attacked Iron Fleet A, up to that point, I still thought maybe that's what they're going to do. You know, well, when I saw the Scorpions, I was like, okay, they're just sticking with this stuff, but whatever. So, but that's why last week I said I thought they were going to go to Old Town because I thought, well, maybe that makes sense that maybe they would have stored the horn there, you know, and nobody would have talked about it because, you know, why would you? There was no dragons. So but alas. But alas, no. So now we go to Winterfell. So we're kind of, now we're getting into the more plot-heavy sections of the show. So... So we get into Winterfell, and the first part in Winterfell is when John's sitting there with the lords once again, and he's explaining he got the raven from Queen Daenerys, he got the raven from Sam, you put them together, and it says, I got to go to Dragonstone. Right. Obviously. Obs. So, and obviously, he doesn't mention this to Sansa. Yeah, right. Before the meeting. No. <laughs> he's just like, yo, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, so. Meaningful look. <laughs> Mic drop. So there was some tweet out there, and I'm not going to do it justice. I wish I could give credit to whoever who put it out there, but they said basically, what do these people do all day? Do they sit around and think about how they're going to rule their 2,000 oh. square mile? Yeah, I saw that. Kingdom? I mean, I, I saw that one too. Um, no, let's wait until we've got every, we've got all the High Lords present. No, yeah, it was a conversation between John and Sansa. Yeah, um, and Sansa saying, "So, should we talk about how we're going to roll this kingdom?" Nah, John saying no. Nah, That's pretty much. And that, pretty much, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, there's no talking. Hey, you know, let's be a unified front. No, 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 no. Let's not surprise each other in front of the High Lords. No. Right. <laughs> 
no, we'll just we're just gonna roll, you know. John believes in a very transparent and open leadership style. Apparently. So I read a very um interesting essay on like comparing the leadership styles of John, Daenerys, and Cersei, and talking about how John and Daenerys are kind of opposites. John is all about like sticking to his um it's going to be his way and he's going to kind of force his way on you because he knows what's right and he's going to do that. Daenerys, you know, back when she was in Marine, almost was too yielding mm-hmm. and just how they've grown as leaders. So that I, I, I like that idea and definitely um, leadership and um, is, a, is a big theme in this episode. And um, I, for me, I've liked seeing John grow as a leader. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that I'd want to see him. I think it would be a huge change in his character to start kind of adding subterfuge into his leadership style. Mm, you know, yeah. he's kind of always. He's got the Ned, the Ned he's school got the of, Ned's, you know, of leadership. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, if he gets stabbed again, there although Melisandre's not around, but she is well, down on Dragonstone. She's going to be around soon. So. So the thing that I thought, and it's, you can't really tell from the show. So it's got me really looking forward to when we get to this point in the books to see how John has really changed. Cause his whole issues when he was Lord commander of the night's watch was that he wanted to do what was objectively the right thing, but he did a terrible job of communicating it. He, he wasn't able to find the people who were oppositional to him and and help them to understand his point of view and build any kind of consensus. It was just like, no, this is what we're doing. You know, I don't care that there's not enough food. This is what we're going to do. And that's what got him stabbed. Right. You know, at the wall, Uh, you know, amongst other things, I'm simplifying it. But, and then we have this episode last night and it looks like he's doing a better job of explaining it to the people who are opposing him. You know, he's saying to, you know, he's saying to the, to uh, Lord Royce, he's saying to Lord uh, Glover, he's saying, look, you haven't seen these people. We won't survive if we don't have allies. This is not about pride. This is about survival. You know, I have got to do this, you know, and it seems like they're buying it, but it's such a short abbreviated little thing that you don't really know if it's evidence of character development or evidence of we need the plot to move forward so we're just going to roll over top of you know we're just going to roll on and and do what we need to do anyway so we'll see kind of how it works out well and so what did you think of john's whole um the whole interaction with sansa where she's kind of fighting him about leaving and you're leaving your people and he says well i'm leaving them in the best capable hands and she's like oh who's and he's like yours and she's all surprised like again let's talk let's let's have all these really important discussions in front of everybody spontaneously right <laughs> like hey you want to be the leader of the north the entire north i mean to me that seems like uh, like it seems like a logical decision to me a- absolutely it's just you know once again drama that doesn't need to be there yeah yeah, but it seems like at least Sansa and John are on the same page 
kind of on the same team at least. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, and you can see, you know, Peter Baelish licking his lips thinking, I'm going to have Sansa all to myself. You know, but I think Sansa is over his games. I certainly hope so. Yeah, we'll see. Now, that moves us on to the next scene, which is John and Littlefinger in the cribs. John and Littlefinger cage match. Oh, my goodness. So, first of all, the fact that Littlefinger thought it would be okay to come down into the Winterfell crypts. I, I, like, I don't like, like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, you got a pair of gonads. <laughs> you know? And then John reacts pretty much in the same way that Ned reacts. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you stay away from my sister and he chokes him with one arm. And it's, you know, very, very reminiscent mm-hmm. of what Ned did shortly before Baelish completely betrayed him. Mm-hmm. Now, Baelish was going to betray him anyway. But, right. you know, and so I can't, you know, you can't ignore that foreshadowing. Exactly. And and it seems to me that Baelish knew exactly, got exactly the reaction he was kind of looking for. I mean, he follows him down into the crypts. He's obviously having an emotional time. He he reminds him that he's the one that brought his father's bones back. He reminds him that Catelyn, <laughs> Catelyn never liked she him, never did really she? liked you. <laughs> I loved her, hell? but she didn't like you. <laughs> and I love your sister too, right? Just like Cat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know. I feel like Baelish's charms are are wearing off on Sansa, which is would make sense from the book because she's kind of learning underneath him, so she would be able to see through a lot of that BS. But John, no, John's dense, and the only the thing that got me was what should have happened after that scene was that John should have found some reason, some pretense to send Littlefinger away. To he, do what? I mean... here's the He's the king in the north. That's his bannerman. He should have found a reason to send Littlefinger away. Go try and make allies with the Dornish. Are the, uh, are the Riverlands... I mean, is are they... Are the, he's the, um, the Airy. Yeah, yeah. At is least, that part of the north? Well, it's all part of his army. It's all... Yeah, I mean... The Knights of the Vale are part of the Northern Kingdom. Well, not... I mean, it's part of the Northern Kingdom now in the show, yeah. I did not know that. That's. I mean, that's the way I'm seeing it. I mean, it. the Knights yeah. of the Vale showed up to save him because Sansa asked Littlefinger to do that. Well, they haven't gone home. They haven't gone home. They're just kind of chilling, but I don't know if that puts Littlefinger under John's jurisdiction. I kind of see it as he's just chilling there. Mm, yeah, good, good point. Good point. But I John should have found John could have and should have found a way to m- remove him from the board. See, I don't unfortunately, I don't think there's any removing Littlefinger from the board. I feel like um I feel like you talked to uh why can I never remember his first name, but um not Waymar Royce, um Bron John Royce and a couple of other of the lords for the Vale. You can get like you could get Littlefinger out of the picture. Well, okay. So what I'm but saying is, time. you can get him out of the castle. Yeah, but short of killing him, 
you cannot take him off the board. I disagree. I think you could. I what I'm saying is, Littlefinger is going to cause trouble anywhere he goes. Uh, that's he yeah, is that's always a fair point. he has got schemes within schemes. He is constantly going to be working on toward his own objectives and taking him out of Winterfell. I I don't know what that's going to do for John. I, I mean, there, there's no doubt he'll cause problems everywhere. There's, I mean, at this point, we've got the Knights of the Vale there at least. You know, John is expecting imminent attack from the Night King. He is training soldiers. Every He's training children to fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not going to send the Knights of the Vale away. Oh, I don't want him to send the Knights of the Vale away. <laughs> but it goes back to your point. But you point. have to understand, Littlefinger is in charge of the Knights of the no, Vale. No, I, I get it. I get it. And and it goes back to your point that it would be kind of out of character at this point for John to start suddenly becoming this master behind the scenes political you know person who like Tyrion who can maneuver you know people like like Littlefinger to make them less of an obstacle you know or who can lie to them and be cunning enough to be able to see through what's going on Tyrion played Littlefinger like a damn fiddle if John were to suddenly start behaving like Tyrion it would be highly out of character and john doesn't know anything about Littlefinger. he knows enough not to trust him but, that's but about he's it. never lived in king's landing yeah he went straight from winterfell to the wall and back to winterfell mm-hmm. yeah so i'm sure he knows enough to know that he's a schemer but he doesn't know that he betrayed his father he doesn't know i, I mean he doesn't know enough to to risk losing a, a large amount of his fighting men for a possible political rival, mm. you know, and if he's not worried about what Cersei is going to do, he's not worried about her scheming. You know, he's certainly not worried about Littlefinger. Well, we'll see how the the choke foreshadowing plays out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, for sure, Littlefinger is going to betray him, but. Oh, yeah. Though there's less and less people to betray him, too. Exactly. You know, as time goes on. So it'll be interesting to see how that, how all that plays out. All right. So the last scene or the last area and really where the bulk of the scenes come from is the, all the issues with Dragonstone, Daenerys, and all of Daenerys's, you know, lords, the Dornish, uh, the, the, um, the Ironborn, uh, Yara, Asha, Greyjoy, etc. So we start off in, we actually open the episode in Dragonstone with all the big, big storm. And all of a sudden, Daenerys, who has been on a ship standing, you know, in formation next to Varys for, you know, a thousand mile ocean journey, has suddenly decided to start questioning his loyalty. So that was sort of weird that she just chooses now to to do it, but whatever. So they have their little come to Jesus moment where, you know, Daenerys is starting to is attempting to demand loyalty from from Varys and Varys is like I will be loyal to the people and I'll be loyal to you because I think you're going to do the right thing. Right, and I loved Varys standing up to her. I thought that was a great scene. Um Yeah, I, I did as well. I I like show Varys quite a bit. I've always kind of bought into the idea that that Varys is a blackfire. Mhm. And so it causes me to think that he really won't be loyal to Daenerys, but you know, we'll see. I mean, as far as show Varys is concerned, uh, and, and I think in part, this scene was nice because it gave you a reminder of, 
you know, this is a character who's flip-flopped so much. He wasn't in that much of the last season toward the end. He kind of was off on some, he went off to get the Dornish and the Tyrells on his side, but it just was a nice reminder. And for so long, you just, and you did kind of see Varys betray King after King. I mean... Absolutely, yeah. You know, so I think this was to kind of lay viewers' minds at rest that, like, no, he's... Well, the other thing, too, is it it shows that, hopefully, it shows that Daenerys can work with people who worked for Robert Baratheon. or people, You know, she can get over some of the issues of where the loyalty lies. Because she has, even in the book, she's always had these issues with, you know... Ned Stark was, you know, one of the usurper's dogs. Like, she really just saw things very black and white. You can't really, can't really fault her for that in some ways because she only, literally only ever knew what her brother told her. So you can see that she's starting to come to realize that it's not as black and white as all of that. And, you know, I think having Barristan Selmy show up on her doorstep kind of helped to kind of soften that and get her to understand a little bit better what the perspective is. So hopefully, you know, it kind of shows you that she will be able to, you know, work with Ned, Ned Stark's bastard rather than just, this is the usurper's dog and, and just throw all that on him. So we'll see how it all plays out. Right. And she certainly didn't seem adverse to inviting Jon Snow down, but we'll see how that's going to go. Yeah. I I tell you, the one thing that was disappointing about everything this season with Dragonstone and all of that, all the Daenerys plot line, has unfortunately been Daenerys. Really? I, th- I think Amelia Clark's acting has been really wooden hmm. and really not very good. It, it's just, it reminds me of her back in season two when she lost her dragons you know, in Quarth, and it's the, where are my dragons, you know, and that just sort of one-note acting that she has, you know, it's bring Jon Snow here, tell him to bend the knee, you know, just very B-movie actor skills. She's just not a good actress. I mean, I respectfully disagree. Okay. Yeah. But that's okay. I, I, she hasn't been in very many scenes, but her acting hasn't put me off at all um you know i guess for me i just see her as being reserved in her queenliness or whatever she's trying to portray Mm. strength and everything now that she's actually starting her conquest but i think it's been badass so far so cool gotcha so uh next we have melisandre show up and i thought it was very interesting how carefully melisandre did not confirm that she thinks that Daenerys is Azora High. Yeah, and that Jon Snow is the prince who was promised. Yeah, so obviously Melisandre thinks that. She, yeah, but she, also she's very, very craftily yeah, yeah. did not say that out loud. Yeah, Daenerys or um Daenerys jumps right into think you know, to thinking that's Well, that's what people that's have been showing up on her door yeah. and telling her for for yep. years, you know. And she did walk out of the pyre with three dragons on her shoulder. She did indeed. So, you know, tends to tends to lead one to have a heavy dose of bi- you know, confirmation bias. <laughs> right? Right. She's been reading her own press clippings for sure. So yeah, I thought it was an interesting scene. It'll be interesting to me to see what happens 
next week when Davos shows up and Melisandre is there. Oh, snap. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because that, that did not end well. I believe Davos said something to the effect of, if I ever see you again, I'll kill you. Which, by the way, he's tried to, to do and failed before, so I'm not too worried about him actually killing her. Right. But I am worried about him doing something stupid. Well, or the fact that Melisandre is there seemingly on Daenerys' side, you know, him telling John, hey, this lady burned a little girl at the stake. That's the kind of thing that's going to turn John off. Well, Bert, will it turn Daenerys off? I do not know. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but that's probably going to be some fireworks. Yes, it will. I didn't really think about that. So on the other hand, we go to, we go to the next scene and it, you know, we talk about, you know, potentially having some bickering allies in front of Daenerys. And the next scene is actually Daenerys dealing with a bunch of bickering allies, the Dornish, the Tyrells and the, um, the Greyjoys. So they're at the table and sounds like your plan is just to use our armies, you know, you know, and then they go over and they kind of discuss the battle plan where Tyrion explains that the Tyrells and the Martells will surround King's Landing and hold its siege, but not go after it. And that the Unsullied are going to go and attack Casterly Rock, which I thought all in all was a pretty good plan. I did notice one thing missing from the plan and they never said where they're going to use the Dothraki. Right. Obviously, I think the the Dothraki are being kept in reserve. Which would be Because Daenerys does not want to let them loose on the countryside. Yeah. At the same point in time, they're not doing any good sitting on Dragonstone, so she's got to get them on land somewhere. Well, they're keeping her safe. True. She'd be better off if that were the... From a tactical standpoint, she'd almost be better off sending them to Casterly Rock and keeping, you know, the Unsullied to protect her. But that's... Except she doesn't want the people turning against her. I get that. You know? Yeah, yeah. This is her wanting to take the kingdom with as little bloodshed and resistance as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she can trust the the Unsullied to go in in a very disciplined manner and take the rock. Um, They're also um, going to be much better at, in a tactical sense, the Dothraki are powerful, but they're just, they're just, override things yeah they're you know, not and casterly rock is considered yeah. um extremely formidable i don't think it's ever been breached e- even when yeah. the um targaryens were conquering i think that with casterly rock was the only stronghold that aegon targaryen could never um take i believe that's true yeah so, well he, i mean he didn't have to right but but yeah it's supposed to be exceptionally formidable we never really spend any time there either in the books or the show. So we don't really, we don't really get any kind of confirmation of that, but it seems like it's pretty damn, you know, impressive fortress. Right. So the, the Unsullied make more, you know, it makes more sense to send them against a target like that. And I'm excited to see it on the show, what it looks like. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. So all in all, I thought the battle plan made pretty good sense. I mean, did you, was there anything else that, no, I I agree, and I liked seeing Daenerys um, kind of put Alaria Sand in her place a little bit because that. Yeah, the only, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go back to the battle plan. The only thing that that I keep thinking is, it seems to me that we have a blueprint for exactly how this should be done, and it's Aegon the Conqueror who landed on Dragonstone with three dragons, right. 
you show up not to necessarily King's Landing, but you start showing up at the different houses, you know, on the back of a dragon, and you you will, one by one, they will fall, and most of them will fall without bloodshed. I, I probably, and I imagine that's probably phase two of her plan, but as far as phase one, take Casterly Rock, get the, the Dornish to come up and lay siege to King's Landing, you kind of cut the head off Cersei at that point. You do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then you start showing up to the lords yeah. with your dragons. Yeah, yeah. You know, still having your Dothraki horde in reserve, you know, you'll she'll have pretty much clinched it. Except... Except them dragons ain't gonna all survive. And yeah. Guyliner Pirate. Guyliner Pirate. <laughs> well, I, I think... So let's... <sighs> So let me make sure we're not missing anything. All right. So no, we're, that's pretty much where we are. We're up at the last scene, you know, Asher Greyjoy and Hilaria Sand and the Mirror Swamp. Yep. And uh, and Daenerys did not count for. So the Skyliner pl- Pirate. So the plan that that um the the plan. I'm sorry. I'm shaking my head here. The plan that Tyrion comes up with is for. Ironborn fleet, the Iron Fleet A, that's the one underneath of Asher Greyjoy, mm-hmm. to go down, get the Dornish army, bring them back up to King's Landing. Not accounting for, you know, Iron Fleet B in charge of Euron. Right. So Euron encounters them. They must have been, they weren't heading into King's Landing, down into um, into the Blackwater Bay. They were heading, you know, out south into the Narrow Sea, they must have been far away enough away from Dragonstone for it not to have been, you know, visible from Dragonstone. So they were they were on their way to Dorne, um, and it. But he caught them, you know, when the ships were really fairly empty. Right. You know, I mean, so which one explains, and you pointed this out last night, explains how why they were so easily able to basically just overrun them. I mean, besides the point that Ironborn Fleet B was 10 times more badass than (laughs) Ironborn Fleet A. But why? (laughs) Right. But why was it? So did you see the, did you see that like a siege plank had like fucking teeth, man. The Disney ride that he came down on. It's crushed right into that guy. And he comes swinging down on the It's like, it was, so I changed my mind. It's <laughs> kind of hot. He's not. He's not a cross between Prince and John Wayne. He's a cross between Legolas and John Wayne. <laughs> Comes swinging down, you know, in one rope. <laughs> I'm gonna kill everybody by my motherfucking self, you know. Like nobody's around him, you know. He's so. If you take Euron out of that scene it was a pretty badass scene right (laughs) but he was just how somehow sort of comical in his just over the topness but you know what that's fine he's trying to play this over the top villain and they've kind of neutered him because they've taken away a lot of what makes Euron so powerful and creepy so he has to play this sort of neutered bad guy and he's just going to have as much fun with it as he can you know i, I mean, think the actor's doing a good job definitely a hugely different take in the books i think feel like book euron was more just like nasty and broody he didn't have like 
he wasn't like walking around laughing and joking. I mean, no, yeah. he was just hardcore evil mofo, you know, and this guy's going for more of like a clockwork orange, yeah. you know, <laughs> him and his droogs. Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know. But yeah. I mean, he still comes off as as pretty bad, obviously. Yeah, and he does. He does. That was another scene. I couldn't I had to close my eyes for quite a bit of it. I felt like the um I feel like the actor doing the actor's doing a good job, I feel like. So. Oh yeah. He's doing it for me. I mean, definitely. Well, that's um, good to know. <laughs> what? That's that's good to know. I can get some leather pants and some guy liner. <laughs> can we rig one of those drawbridges in our bedroom? We'll It'll... be back after a short break. <laughs> Have some teeth come down into our bed. <laughs> And I'll be riding on the top of it like Legolas. We are skirting the PG-13 uh, barrier here. Oh, that's it's not not the first time we've, we've done that. So the whole battle unfolds. The sand snakes all get killed. And there was much rejoicing. Oh, my gosh. So much rejoicing. Yes, we were, we were all like, Yay. We started fighting and Chad goes, I don't know who I'm rooting for. And I said, I do. <laughs> you were rooting for the you were rooting for the Ironborn. Definitely rooting for the Ironborn on that. Well, one. which Ironborn? Particularly <laughs> the Ironborn. The scene in the hammocks where they're teasing each other oh. and mama, mama. I'm like, is that supposed to be like charming or like show camaraderie? Because it is just fucking annoying. Yeah, they're terrible. That that so. was terrible. But yeah, we don't have to worry about them anymore. They are brutally murdered. Yay. <laughs> Oh, that was terrible. Um, and Alaria Sand and Asha Greyjoy, Yara Greyjoy, are taken captive. And as was one of the Sand Snakes. Okay, yeah. Yes. I wasn't sure about that. I think it was Ilaria's the young one. Alaria's daughter. It was the young one, yeah. Yeah, her daughter. Nim, I think is it? Yes. Okay. Um, I, be- I don't believe they killed her. I think you're right. I think I think you're right. I don't think they killed her. Damn it. There's still some Sand Snakes around. I think she was the least annoying one, though. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, and so they capture them, you know, whisk them away. And then they capture Asher Greyjoy and Euron standing there, Theon Greyjoy, who apparently, you know, for the first half of this battle was a badass, pulled out a sword with his one finger remaining on his right hand Mm -hmm. and was able to cut through a bunch of ironborn, which... Never would have happened in the books, but that's okay. And then he gets to the scene where Euron is holding Asha. He's going to cut her throat with an axe if Theon, you know, comes one step closer. But he's saying, come closer. And, you know, there's this whole standoff that they have. And what are you thinking Theon's going to do before he ultimately makes his decision? I really did not know. I really did not know until he did it. I'm not surprised. No, not um, I, I certainly don't. I, I think of all the things that happened in that whole scene, Theon jumping overboard was the one thing that made sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I and I honestly don't see any way that he actually was going to save her. No, not at all. I, I think as soon as he moved, um, Euron was going to kill Yara and... Yeah, I don't. That was going to be that. I mean, I think I can understand the people who were hoping, and in the books, I am kind of hoping the best I think you can hope for for Theon Greyjoy 
it is an honorable death. Like, the, I think he's going to save her. You think so? I do. Well, it's completely different in the books. Like, right. So, so you can't even compare them. But, but um, that could happen. That that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me if that happens. But I think there were people who were just kind of hoping that Theon would rush in there, sacrifice himself, and maybe it would allow Asha to jump overboard instead. That that's about the best you could have reasonably hoped for, and that seems to me like like a pipe dream. I mean, I still don't count that happening out. I mean, um, did that sentence make sense? Well, no, because the scene's <laughs> passed, and so. But no, the point- but no, I'm saying I still think at some point Theon is going to try and rescue her, and still may sacrifice himself. No, that, I agree. Yeah, that 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 very well could happen. Absolutely, I think Gendry's going to pick him up. Yeah, because <laughs> he's apparently still rolling still around out there. Out there. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um. I, I think somehow Theo is going to come back into play and is going to have like a sort of side mission where he is going to rescue Yara. Yeah, I mean, that that would not at all surprise me. It would be, I think, the best kind of that we could hope for for show Theon. Right. Um, I just hope it's not with him swashbuckling. Right. No, I mean, I can see him like darting in while other people are fighting and somehow getting her out. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Which is kind of what he does in Winterfell with Jane Poole. Yes, indeed. That is, and, and what he does with Sansa, right? In the books? In the show. show, Yeah. 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 yeah, He kind of does the same thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I forgot about that. Um, so anyway, yeah. So that's kind of how the scene ends. Now, again, I still hold to the idea that with the exception of some of the silliness of Euron and his kind of cartoonish bad boy, I thought the, the fight scene was pretty awesome. Good the way it was Lord, shot. It was crazy. Yeah, the way it was directed, the way it was shot, the sparks flying everywhere in the background. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like it was a really well done action scene. So so I enjoyed it. I guess my question now is, okay, what does it mean? Like what does all this mean now? Because we we see the next time previews and it's got uh, it's got Euron Greyjoy, you know, walking in the King's Landing with like a ticker tape parade, like he's some hero. And I, my question is, what do they think he has actually accomplished? Um, well, he has gotten the head of the of the Dornish. I mean, the yeah, you know, one of the main enemies. Yeah. And Cersei has just been talking up how the Dornish and the Tyrells have brought these invaders to their shores. So he has gone in and captured Alaria and her daughter and destroyed the ships that were used to bring the Dothraki over. So, so he's destroyed Daenerys' fleet. She now has no way of quickly moving troops up and down places. Well, it wouldn't have destroyed the entire fleet. I mean, it's... That fleet looked pretty destroyed. So, well, let me... So I'm glad you bring that up because... So there's two ways you can kind of look at it. You can kind of look at it and think, okay, what what would typically happen in a naval battle like that? And you're generally not going to have one side destroy all the ships of the other side. You know, you're going to, several of those ships would have gotten away and been able to make it, you know, back to Dragonstone. And so, you know, Danny, instead of having, you know, instead of having 115 ships, now she's going to have 25 ships or something like that. 
So she can still get off a of Dragonstone and get her army on land, but it's going to be harder. It's definitely going to be harder. So you can take that tack. The other tack you can take is you can look at what you saw on the screen. And if you look at what you saw on the screen, then you saw Euron's ship silence completely untouched. And every other motherfucking ship burnt to a goddamn cinder. So if you take that literally, then Iron Fleet A and Iron Fleet B are both fucking destroyed. It's, it's, I didn't look that closely at it. So, I mean, we'll, we'll find out next episode and we'll, they'll tell us what happened. I'd be surprised if that was the case. Yeah, me too. I came away from it really thinking that I'm sure some of your own ships also got burned, but that his ships were like four times the size of the other ships. I mean, they were like, (laughs) which is so beyond dumb, but that's okay. (laughs) That's all right. His ships were like the dire wolves too. Yeah. Right. Like like the Labrador retrievers There's of the so other much ships. wood on pipe. They, were they just... <laughs> just humongous with some kind of weird, like, fire cannons. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they did manage to destroy at least most of Daenerys's fleet. So it's going to make it difficult for Daenerys to maneuver. But Dragonstone is very close. All she's got to do is get, you know, get her unsullied, get her Dothraki to crack claw point. You know, use her twenty five remaining ships, and you know, in a couple couple weeks, that logistical thing will be solved, if if that long. You know, so it it delays things, but the Dornish army and the Tyrell army are still going to fucking march on King's Landing, and as soon as Daenerys figures out what's going on, she's going to have three dragons go destroy Iron Fleet B, because those boats, especially without a dragon horn, don't stand a fucking chance against three dragons. I I agree. I forget what your original question was. Well, I, my question was just, it seems to me like I'm going back to the whole thing last week where Euron said, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you a present fit for a queen. And this just doesn't seem like that good of a present to me. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Alaria Sand and the Sand Snakes poisoned Cersei's daughter. Good point. So I think Cersei is going to be very happy to have Alaria Sand and her daughter in her clutches. Good point. I did forget about that. Yeah. And I think she, you know, the, the whole why him having a ticker tape parade is if, if she marries him, you know. Mm, yeah. Or could be. It, I don't see Cersei marrying him, but I see her becoming betrothed to him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no way she's going to let him become king. Yeah, yeah. But um but I see her like having him be her her consort or whatever. Something like that. Something yeah, yeah. like that. Um I forgot for sure. about uh I forgot about her them poisoning um Marcella. Marcella, yeah. Oh yeah, Cersei is going to be very happy to turn Alaria over to Kyburn. Um Yeah, Kyburn's going to have a good time. Yes, he is. That's so that whole thing. <laughs> Like with Alaria San being the ruler of Dorne, it's just I just can't. I I really I, hope they wish they just would have killed them. You know, I'm so like not, I I get frustrated with naysayers and nitpickers, and I'm like, <laughs> just watch the damn show. It's not, the, but that definitely is sticking stuck in my craw. That whole yeah, that's that's. Hey, Duran. Let me just stab you in the chest. How about that? With my tiny little pocket knife. Exactly. Or no, it was um, 
Ario Hota that they stabbed with like yeah. a three inch blade and he fell yeah. down. Oh my God. Okay, that's I can't we have to talk about something else. Well, we're done. We don't need to go we don't need to go down that road anymore. Right. So once again we ended last episode talking about how the Dornish suck, and now there's less of them to suck. Except we haven't talked about the stub sex. Oh, I was trying to avoid that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to know what your take on it is because some people are very angry about this. Oh, I don't see why you would be angry about it. I mean, well, just that 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 characters from the books are cut and that these minor characters are being given, you know, airtime and stuff. Well, it did cross my mind that with so much left to go, they spent an awful lot of time on that Cunnilingus scene. I mean, <laughs> I enjoy a Cunnilingus scene as much as the next guy. <laughs> That was an awful long shot. I mean, for me, I kind of like having, I like Grey Worm and Missandei's story. I like that um, rather than having Barristan sell me there, that we've got some members of her slave army that she freed becoming her counselors. Um, So it's not like this whole, just this whole like white savior thing coming in and, you know, um, well, it still is, but that's okay. It is. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, she's brought some of these as they're part of her trusted advisors. Yeah, they, they get to giving be, them more agency, giving them more agency, make giving them a little more screen time. I have no problem with that. No. And and I think, I mean, again, you, you have to take Miss and Day and Grey Worm from the book out of the equation. Absolutely. You know, and I think these two together, they're cute, you know, and and all of that. Spectacular pair of rumps. <laughs> on those two am i right so gray worm has been doing some squats obviously for sure he's been getting deep in the squats so way below parallel so you know so yeah they're they're two good looking people you know i appreciate that really honestly what it made me think was gray worm gonna oh, die he's, he's so dead so dead because when absolutely when you have that touching emotional scene in game of thrones and you don't have plot armor like Jon Snow, you're you dead. gonna die. You are dead. Dead Grey Worm. So dead. <laughs> he is so dead. <laughs> About the only surprise they could really throw me for with that... Is if w- he lives? ...would be if it's Messenday who dies instead. Oh, yeah. But no, it's gonna be Grey Worm. Yeah. Grey Worm's gonna die. It won't be long. Yep. So that's... It'll be this season for sure. Yep. Yeah, they won't see each other again. No, he's he's going to die at the Red Keep. Yeah, I think Not the right. Red Keep. I'm sorry. Casterly Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. I got nothing else to say. I got nothing else to say. <laughs> nothing if else If you to say. ever go off to attack Casterly Rock, we are not having goodbye, Cunnilingus. <laughs> I'm going to be like, see you later, bitch. <laughs> Don't you come back to me with a penis or nothing. <laughs> So we had some some great interaction with some listeners, um, a lot of long conversation with uh, Theo, the OGB on Twitter, um, talking about our episode from last time. Also, um, Izzy Kennedy and Izzy um, and Julia Kennedy as well on our Facebook page. Oh, cool. I didn't so, see that. Yeah. So thank you to everybody uh, for that and for the interaction. Um, also, a couple comments on the website, which unfortunately I can't uh, get up in front of me right now so i can't i can't get those in front of us as you can tell with these bonus episodes we don't do as much preparation as we do 
with our normal episodes. So we don't have as much of this stuff up in front of us. But we do love everybody who talks with us on Twitter and Facebook and everybody who listens. And we're very, very grateful for you and your time. Listen, you got a lot of Game of Thrones podcasts. And dozens of you chose to listen to this one. I've never had so many people to talk nerdy about Game of Thrones with as I have in the last few weeks. Yeah. Between been... the, the listener interactions and that, I mean, I'm in, I'm in nerd heaven over here. Yay. It's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. All right. So if you're looking for a way to help out the podcast, you can always give us a re- uh, review on iTunes. But really the w- number one thing that we covet is word of mouth. Just tell your friends, share about it on, on social media, tell somebody. And then that's where you say, pimp us out, yo. Oh, pimp us out, yo. Sorry. You have to remember your beat. Stay on brand. <laughs> people get annoying. I mean, do, do people get annoyed with that? Oh, then they, if people get annoyed with that, then they have already stopped listening. <laughs> All right, so you can find us on Facebook at The Duke and Duchess. You can find us on Twitter at The D&D Podcast. And you can find us on our web- website at thedukeanddutchesspodcast.com. That's right. That's right. So good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks. Thanks.